Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. friends and welcome to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. This is the podcast that tries to catch you up on the week if you are distracted, if you have too much going on, if you simply cannot engage with the world. Do not worry because I will try and keep you up to date every Friday along with a host of amazing contributors and interviewees. Um, Hope you had a good week. My week was okay. January finally coming to an end. Like I know it's bad to wish your life away but my god this month has felt 600 days long and I will be glad to see the back of it. As always, I am so grateful for your continued support. Every time you rate, you share on social media, every time you tell a friend, all of it means so much to me. And I can't believe we're not far off a year of the podcast. Um, And since I launched last March, I've actually gotten lots of inquiries from you about a Patreon, which is so kind. And I have decided that it is time to launch one. So from now, you can sign up to access two extra episodes a month for now. One will feature your messages to the pod phone. I'll respond and discuss your thoughts, your concerns, your feedback. And then the other is going to be a discussion of a work of culture from books to albums, documentaries, films, starting with Netflix's Pamela Anderson documentary, which is out next week. And I am dying to see it and forensically discuss it. If you're in a position to support this work via Patreon, great. If not, no problem. This weekly episode is always going to be free. I am never going to put a price on it. You will always have access to it. I really cannot overstate how much I love and appreciate you guys and how grateful I am to be able to keep doing this work. It brings me so much joy. And you guys are so sound. Every single time someone comes up to me and tells me they listen to the podcast, they turn out to be an absolute gem. So uh, I'm I'm just super, super grateful. If you want to sign up, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go and click through. Now, uh, it is time to get on with the news, but just a flag before we get into this slot that Aoife and I recorded this um, this morning and then basically immediately after we <laughs> recorded it, it came out that Enoch Burke is going to be fined €700 Euro per day uh, for showing up at the school. Um, so we didn't know that heading into this um, and I suppose just keep that in mind as you listen to us discuss that among other things because there was lots to talk about in the news this week. Even more political correspondent at the Sunday Times Ireland, how joyful it is to be together once again. This time I remembered the recorder. That's good. <laughs> that seems key. Like I actually was thinking on the way here, I was like, this time last week I was just getting to Eva's house and sure we couldn't do anything because I didn't have the equipment. You turned up with two bottles of shampoo and no recorder. Don't forget the mascara. I gave you a mascara, oh, as, mascara well. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we've got lots of news to talk about this week and uh, some follow-on stories, unfortunately, from last week. And I have to say a couple are certainly a story that I'm looking forward to getting into about gay clubs. Um, But let's start with what's going on with housing for people who are seeking asylum in Ireland. It's not good, Louise. No. It's not good. What happens now when you uh, come to Ireland to um, seek asylum is that you get handed a 20-euro voucher and you have to find your own accommodation. Um, We have run out of emergency accommodation for asylum seekers 
and the government has said it could be five weeks before we locate any. Um, RT, if anyone's been watching the news this week, have you know spoken to a number of asylum seekers, mostly men, who are basically handed the twenty euro and and told to find someone else. So they've they've closed or not closed, well tem- temporarily closed City West mm. in Taha as an emergency shelter for new asylum seekers. And although it is still open for processing, and there are still people living there, but. The ongoing issue that everyone keeps saying, there's just a lack of plan and coordination by the government. We have known for a long time about the influx that we're going to get, including um, Ukrainian refugees, um, people seeking asylum from other countries. And now, you know, there's been talk of climate refugees as well as Mm. the climate emergency continues to get worse. Um, The homeless services in Dublin now are becoming overrun because... Before this, asylum seekers were, you know, processed, taken to a direct provision centre, they were fed. We're now at the stage where Peter McVeary, Mendicity are now being also tasked not only feeding the Dublin homeless, but also feeding um, asylum seekers as well. Yeah. I heard um, the manager of the Capuchin Day Centre on uh, Radio 1 yesterday morning and I was really impressed by him because he said, you know, as long as we've been noticed now we can manage it and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll be ready and they'd made, you know, 100 extra hampers and they mm-hmm. were ready for 100 extra people. But like, it's really very bad if charitable organisations like that are having to pick up mm-hmm. this lack for the government. The government that... I mean, that, as they already do, but the like even more. The government that had been told about this influx for a very long time. Um, mm. It does not seem that the government can get in front of this. And we know when you are, they're not playing any um, defence whatsoever um, or offence whatsoever. It's just constantly fighting fires and it doesn't seem to be any long term planning. And it is a moral obligation um, with people who are fleeing war not to have them sleeping on the streets. Yeah. Um, and we have enough of our own people sleeping on the streets, but that's the story for a different day. But yeah. um, it's just incredibly bad planning. They said five weeks before they can find anyone else because the other issue is there are hundreds of hotels who are currently in contract to take in refugees. The contracts will now end in March, the high season, Paddy's Day tourism. They get more money out of tourism and also they want to be working in tourism. That's why they opened a yeah, hotel. Exactly, yeah. So we can't blame the hotels either. Um, it's a hospitality business. It's not an immigration business. Mm. Um, and I actually think this problem might get worse before it gets better because when these hotels, mostly in Dublin and Galway and Cork and the big cities, stop taking um, Ukrainians Tourist, and stop their yeah. contracts and start taking your tourists again, we're going to see more of this. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting because we talk about that um, that problem that the government is facing and then I'm going to I'm going to skip on our list Aoife I think okay. you I think you can manage it and then you look at the amount of time and energy that's been spent talking about Pascal Donoghue over the last couple of weeks like uh, now look I want to be very clear about this I am not a political expert I have no allegiance to any political party just from from the get-go but as a normal pundit I think there are a lot of people who feel like me which is Surely there is a better way to spend government time than so much time on this situation, which seems to be over a relatively small amount of money. Like, I understand that ethics and politics is really important. Mm -hmm. I get that. I get that there is a major issue of people trusting politicians. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But, But for me, I'm just like, can we just like whatever it is like let's just deal with it and move on Mm -hmm. whatever needs to happen let's just have it happen instead of wasting hours and hours of time when this country is facing so many you know very real and tangible issues for the people well i will counter your argument yeah i I want you to i'll counter your argument and say that we have left the running of this country to people who cannot fill out their own forms properly well yeah who do not want to take responsibility for their own actions And that goes to a wider problem then. If we can see problems coming down the line and everyone's passing the buck, it shouldn't be that surprising they're passing the buck because we can't even get ministers who can remember who has been putting up posters for them. It goes to, people can say it's only a couple of grand, it was an election how many years ago, it doesn't matter. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. Like, I understand there are bigger fish to fry, but it goes to a much larger problem that... Louise, if you worked for a company that did a bit of lobbying for the government, you have to fill out SIPO forms. If there was any mistake on it, SIPO would be down your throat mm. looking at you. When it comes to politicians and people are seeing this, it appears it's like, ah, well, you know, Pascal's a nice guy. I actually feel like the media, and I am part of the mainstream media, 
have not covered themselves in glory this last week because they keep talking about how nice a person Pascal O'Neill is and how much people like him, which I'm sure it can be true. But that really gets up people's nose. As yeah. in like, well, the rules don't apply to him because he's nice and we don't think he would have done this on purpose. That's not really for us to see. Yeah. I think it goes to show and we've seen it from Sinn Féin, now we've seen it from Robert Troy, we've seen it from Damien English, we've seen it from Pascal O'Neill. We can't even, if you are an elected politician, an elected public representative, you need to make sure everything is in order because you work for us. And this notion that you can be sloppy and not fill out your forms and not pay attention to everything doesn't really make me feel like you're going to be doing that in the ministry as well. Mm. So it goes to a wider problem of, and I I say this all the time, it erodes trust in politicians yeah. because people think the rules don't apply to them. And whether Pascal Donahue is a nice person or not really doesn't matter. No, I mean, I agree. I know nothing about Pascal Donahue and how nice or not nice he is. And I don't he's, particularly he's care. He's your TD. <laughs> I'll say nothing. Um, I, but I don't, you know, I have no skin in the game. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, especially like him or especially dislike him. Um, but I think I think it is that thing of like, which which I, I will admit, I've been like, oh, sure, it sounds like an honest mistake. Mm. And so then you're kind of like, ah, oh, can we just move on? Mm. But I get what you're saying because mm-hmm. attention to detail is a very big part of the job. And I suppose what we're saying is if we have this situation with asylum mm. where, you know, the and government has had notice and they could have done things about it and they didn't. And then we're seeing sloppiness elsewhere. You know, the two things are not unconnected. Part of like playing the game fair. The election rules are there so that no one overspends anyone else. We don't want to be like America. We don't want to be like Britain. That's why we have really tight spending rules. If there's a certain politician who scraped in with the skin of their teeth and then it's fine that they spent more money mm. than someone else, that's not fair. That's yeah. not playing the rules of the game. So it all goes to we need to have faith in elections and faith in our politicians that they will abide by their rules because we do not want to end up like America. Okay. Feel free to send in your thoughts, by the way, to the pod fun. Um, that's, I, I, you know, these things are complicated and that's the whole point of what we do here is to try and make people understand things a little bit more and be a little bit clearer on what's going on. And obviously everyone is entitled to take their own position. I still don't really know where I stand, to be honest. Um, but if you want to send in your thoughts, 089-209-6423, 089-209-6423 um, is where you can send feedback, thoughts, concerns, etc. Okay, let's keep it going and we will go back to, I know, I know you don't even want to talk about this, but I can't ignore it. I feel like everyone should start ignoring it. Well, I, I, I agree, but I think before we ignore it, I need to know where do things end with this fucking weirdo Enoch Burke? Enoch Burke, today is Thursday. Enoch Burke has turned up outside Wilson's hospital school for the fourth day in a row. He was arrested um, on, I believe it was Monday when he first arrived. Yeah, he was arrested, um, charged with public order offence and then came back. They've locked the gates of the school and he's still standing outside, which I really feel if any other man was doing, people, he would have been arrested. Exactly. <laughs> but the problem here is, right, I that... I think now the issue is the media. Yeah. I think if the cameras left he would not be there. He yeah. would give up. It's just, how long do we keep this going? Certainly the, the narrative that I've seen online seems to be that they want the attention, that that's, oh, absolutely. that's the whole reason that, that this is continuing. Yeah, but I would say, um, a bit of journalism insight here, every single story about Enoch Burke gets clicks. Yeah. People say that they want this to end and they want it to be over and everybody clicks on the story. Everyone is reading it and as long as everyone reads it, the cameras will keep coming back. That's how it works. That's how journalism works. You get the journalism that you want. We're not out there, you know, because we love Enoch Burke. It's because they know people will click on it. Well, people are just fascinated by the family, aren't they? And it's so hard to get any information on them. But this is, I think, it is that like, it's very hard not to be kind of fascinated by a group who behave in such a strange manner. so insular. It's so hard in Ireland to be an insular family in your community, especially rural communities. Yeah, it seems almost cultish. Like, I think that's the vibe. And people are fascinated by that kind of thing. Completely. So he, a player, like he's returned every day this week he doesn't work at the school anymore by Monday I'd be surprised if the cameras go back okay 
well, that'd be good because then we could stop. And I agree. And maybe we should make an agreement that unless something absolutely enormous happens, we won't talk about him again. And um, because I agree, like, you know, you don't want to feed the beast. I just, I had to know where, like, how can we end it, basically? Yeah. So the, the roundup is that he has been dismissed after um, a disciplinary at the school. He no longer works there. He has no income. His dad drives him there every day. He stands outside the gate and his dad collects him and drives him again. It's actually very sad. I'm sorry, the memes of him. I know. <laughs> but it is when you kind of peel it back and you look at this person. The one of them and outside the, their life. Like, it is very I think it is sad. definitely an attention thing at this stage, yeah. But like, but kind of, it feels like orchestrated by the family. Like, I wonder how much yeah, independence we, from, from will. We know, we know that the mother seems to be the kind of ruler of the house there. Yeah. Um, she calls the shots and the sister, I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen the videos of the disciplinary on Monday yeah. where they were shouting and screaming. Um, but I really hope that this is the end of this. Yeah. Big, sorry, Saga. I hope so too. And like massive thoughts and prayers for the staff and students of Wilson's Hospital because I can't even imagine what it's been mm. like. Okay, let's talk about Pope Benedict's book A that messy says... messy bitch. Oh my God, who lived for drama. I'm sorry. Publishing your burn book after your death is the most catty, petty, Regina George bullshit I can think of. Pope Benedict the 16th said that gay clubs operate openly in Catholic seminaries where men uh, train to be priests. And he claimed that it's because of Pope Francis's progressive agenda. Mm. So it was late this week that the blistering attack on uh, Benedict's papacy, um, or sorry, Francis Papacy, he died on New Year's Eve at 95 and now this book has been published. He said that the next generation of priests is on the verge of collapse. They must be doing some amount of writing. So <laughs> he, claimed, <laughs> he claimed that bishops allow trainee priests to watch porn as an outlet for their sexual urges. Okay. Um, he gave instructions that the book, What Christianity Is, should be published after his death. Say it with your chest. First of all, if you could suddenly say, don't wait till you're dead, yeah. you little bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's so pathetic. It's the equivalent of getting on the school bus and shouting out the window that someone's a slag as it's driving away. Yeah, like, <laughs> come on. What were they going to do to you at 95 anyway? Like, Yeah, so he said that, uh, yeah, just basically went after Francis, said that the homosexual clubs are particularly prevalent in the U.S., and that he said they more or less operate openly in some cases. Um, the porn thing he said was pres presumably with the intention of rendering them capable of resisting behaviours contrary to the faith. I mean, I mean, whatever works. Um, now, Benedict was known as like a super, super conservative yeah. um, Catholic theo theologian. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And um, he, yeah, just, he just spilt the tea there's been no word from the vatican yet no official response if i was francis i would just be like you little bitch <laughs> he must be raging fuming yeah i love it. like we know and we've heard this from priests um both in our own communities and on the world stage that the numbers of people joining the priesthood are very much reducing yeah because of the lifestyle yeah. it's a very isolated very lonely yeah very guilt-ridden life i mean it's nuts like at the end yeah. of the day we are animals as human beings mm -hmm. and unless you're asexual which is obviously absolutely fine you know you are going to have sexual urges wants and needs and to like tr commit yourself to a life of ignoring that natural urge mm -hmm. i mean it's not right <laughs> no and it's also i don't blame like we had in our own like back home in our parish we had an incredibly lovely priest who to me was the epitome of a priest the most gentle friendly approachable unjudgmental man who ended up leaving the priesthood yeah. because he fell in love with a woman yeah and he said it at mass and at our mass everyone stood up and clapped oh like it see was, this is the this thing is, if we are turning good people like that away what hope does the church have? I don't know how I say we. I'm, I don't even believe in God. But like <laughs> yeah. cultural Catholic, not religious yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, and I think this notion that of like there's these gay clubs operating in seminaries. Okay. Like 
that's not a crime. No. And it just seems very petty for this man to offer no proof whatsoever that this is happening. He's dead, so no one can reply to him. No one is going to, no one in the Vatican is going to say he's a messy bitch who loves drama. It's just all very petty and stupid. Yeah. Can't believe I called a Pope petty and stupid. Well, I mean, look. If the shoe fits, the, exactly. if the hat fits. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Um, yeah, I remember uh, I went to a Church of Ireland wedding some years ago. Massively enjoyed it. Loads of singing. Um, very joyful. Protestants love hams. Oh, it was great. Um, but, you know, one of the nicest things I felt about it was that the minister... Minister? Is that the right term? Wonderfully. Sorry, I'm not very... Didn't meet um, a Protestant. I was like 16. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very well educated when it comes to religion, having grown up with no religion. Um, but... Uh, she she first of all was a woman amazing second of all she talked about things that had made her marriage successful during the service like Mm. you know in a beautiful way Mm. and I was just like isn't this gorgeous my cousin got married and he was a professional footballer at the time and the the son or one of the newspapers phoned the parish house the parochial house and asked the priest do you do football or whatever and he said no and he's like oh how do you feel about marrying this professional soccer player or whatever and he says, have you any advice? And he goes, well, I know nothing about football and even less about marriage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yet they, and yet, you're supposed to go and ask them for advice. And It's great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, look, sure, we're descending into madness now. Wouldn't be us. Even more <laughs> political correspondent for the Sunday Times Ireland. Thank you so very much. Thank you. This week, Dublin Bus announced the extension of their partnership with Bohemians FC, or Bows to the familiar, uh, to their women's Premier Division team, as well as uh, becoming their exclusive diversity and inclusion partner, along with the main shirt partner for the girls, 19s, 17s and amputee team. As we know, women's football is finally having a moment after years of being stuck in the shadow of the men's game. So it's a big deal to see a big brand like this coming on board. I was delighted this week to meet and chat with Bo's goalkeeper, Rachel Kelly, about where things stand now, how things are different from when she was a kid and what impact it's having on women and girls. Rachel Kelly, it is so lovely to be here with you. We are in the bar at Daily Mount, um, home of Bohemian Football Club or Bo's, as they're known affectionately in my house the conversation about Bose is like day in, day out. <laughs> we are a Bose house. And Rachel, obviously you play goalkeeper. You were just saying it's kind of a mad position to choose to play. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, if you could pick, I don't know if anyone would. Yeah. The first house be a goalkeeper. But when you have an older brother who loves football and you're the younger sister thrown into goal, I don't think you have a choice. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So you were used obviously by your yeah. brother. Oh. And then when did you kind of fall in love with it? Yeah. So... It was thanks to my brother that I had to, I had no choice. Yeah. I'd done dancing for two weeks. No, he didn't enjoy that. <laughs> so straight into the goal. And I always done half goalkeeper, half outfielder because I was too young. So my mom said, don't make the decision yet. Just yeah. wait, just wait and wait. So I did. And it came to decision time. And it was my friends that were like, you know, you're actually really good in there. And I was like, eh, I want to score the goals. You know, yeah. I want to be the hero. And then I was talking to my family and that and I said, no, do you know what? I love it. And I what love- age, what age is this when you have to make that big decision? I think it was, I think I was 12 or 13. Okay, young enough. Like. Yeah, still young, but still like you kind of have to, now are you a goalkeeper or a midfielder? Big, mm. big difference. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I love it. And I haven't looked back since. Yeah. And so tell me about what life is like for a female football player at your level. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people wouldn't really know, but the women's side, you still have your full-time job. Mm-hmm. You still have other stuff outside. So what my typical day will be is I go to work from eight to four and then straight from work to training. So training from six till eight mm. and then home. And then it's your shower and you're going to bed for work the next morning. Yeah. And then the weekends is you have your match on a Saturday. And um, so that's kind of your Saturday not gone, but you know, you can't plan anything for Saturdays. And, and then you're Sundays, obviously not doing anything on Friday night then no, as well. You relax Friday yeah. night, make sure you have, you're hydrated and the right um, food into you. And then come Sunday, you're just exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> so it's time to relax and recover and stuff when you go again. Doesn't leave a lot of time for like a social life or even like a partner or any of that stuff. No, no. In fairness, I'm very lucky. My boyfriend is mad obsessed with bows okay he loves it he has me here on friday evenings watching the men's <laughs> then he's here on saturdays watching me with, with my dad and um, he loves it so he gets it yeah. you know i think it's very important 
to have a partner that gets it. They understand. They know you're not going to be around 24-7. Yeah. Or you might have something last minute. But it's definitely difficult to try and have the date nights and yeah. the cute little things. But he's so understanding that it's it's fine. If he wasn't understanding, what would your position be? In the bin. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, what I thought just, you would say. Yeah, it just it just <laughs> wouldn't work. I think then the arguments would start and, you know, it would naturally fall apart. But no, I'm so blessed with my family and his family and everything. Yeah, that's great. Because I think the difference, I suppose, for you as a woman is that you still have your full-time job during the day and that's the position for all the women who play in this league um, at your level, despite the fact that it is at the top level. Um, it's got to be hard to kind of stomach that when things are so different for the men. Mm. You know, there's days that I'm like, oh my God, if only I was a man, you know, but at the same time, I'm so lucky to be where I am, that I do have a job and that I do get to play for bows in the highest standard in Ireland, um, in the women's game. But it is, I know they're driving so much about equality Mm. and, you know, it's come a long, long way. I mean, maybe 10 years ago, people look at you being like, what do you mean you play football? Yeah. And so I can't wait for it to keep growing. Mm. And I think that's all that'll happen and... I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, well, of course, because the women's national team have qualified. Everybody is so excited about them heading to the big tournament down under. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you feel like there's been a kind of change as a result of that? Or was the change coming along before that? I think the change was coming along, but also it gave it that extra push yeah. that it needed. I was absolutely buzzing to see how social media went because it's such a big platform. Um, I was buzzing to see how much it blew up mm. with the girls qualifying because they deserve every bit of recognition because mm. it's such a big thing. Um, so I was absolutely buzzing. And then like that, more people are interested. I'm getting more questions about, so what is it like, you know, to yeah. be a footballer? Um, so I think it's only going to get more. But the the thing is, after the World Cup, make sure it keeps growing. You know, yeah. it's not just the, oh, well, we got to the World Cup. We keep growing it. And I think that will happen. Well, yeah, I mean, I think... You know, one thing that I noticed and I know it's been commented on, I was at um, the women's qualifier in Tulka, is it Tulka Park? In Tala Stadium, Tala Stadium, um, <laughs> against Finland. I'm really good at all the lingo. <laughs> um, but I was there and I was struck and I heard it in the commentary as well by the amount of kids who were there and like girls who were just like, and boys who were mm-hmm. so fired up to cheer on the team. And that's got to be like, have an impact in terms of role models. Oh, 100%. You know, when you were younger, if they asked me, who's your favourite fo- footballer? It's always like the Messi's and the Ronaldo's, you know, and mm. the, the the male players, which is brilliant. But now when you ask them, they might say, oh, um, well, I love watching Rachel playing the Daily Mount, you know, yeah. like, and like that. It's it's boys, girls, it's everyone. Um, and especially here, it is men- it's crazy on a Saturday um, when we play our matches here. Mm. Everyone, all the kids. They're standing there, they have their flags, they're chanting, give me a B. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's amazing. And afterwards, they're all like, can I have a picture? Can I have your signature? Can yeah. I have your gloves? Like, I have to get these. <laughs> um, yeah, you're like, I don't have a new pair of gloves for every game, <laughs> I'm like, I'm actually. professional. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's amazing. And I think that pushes us on as yeah. a team to know that we're inspiring the younger generation. Because yeah. who did you look up to? Because um, you're only 20, right? 21, yeah. 21, okay. So you're, you're still yeah. young. Um, so who did you look up to? I was looking up to like the, the Buffons and the Stephen Gerrards. You yeah. Know? I really, it's sad, to, it's sad to say, but I really didn't have a female yeah. um, role model. And that's just because it wasn't as normal, like not normal, but you know, it's Mainstream, not, yeah. yeah, as what it is now. Yeah. Whereas I think now the kids, they can say like Katie McCabe, who's playing in England. Like, yeah. There's so many people you can relate to. Katie Taylor, even, yeah. you know, so it's amazing. Really. Yeah. Yeah. If you ask now in my house, my three and a half year old <laughs> is obsessed with Katie. Like if you ask him who his favorite footballer is, he says Katie. Like yeah. he, and when he, and he wants to watch her. Like, so we watch Katie McCabe highlights on YouTube. We watch that qualifier, that Finland match is on YouTube. We watch that. He knows her number. Like he's all about her. And his other favorite is Messi. Yeah. So like, you know, it really does go to show that things have kind of changed. Mm. And that's amazing. Oh, 100%. And it's great that it's not just the, the young girls looking up. No. It's the young boys. They don't care if you're a boy or girl playing football. If you're good, they love you. Yeah. You know, that's just the end of the story. Exactly. Um, so I love it. I love when the kids are coming up and everyone off the team tries to give as much time before we're like before we're told get into the dressing room (laughs) (laughs) but it's great I mean we've had mascots my neighbor and she minds her niece and she's football mad yeah football crazy and I said do you want to be a mascot one Saturday 
And she was like, what? Like, me? I was like, yeah, like, come on up. I'll, like, I'll bring you up. You can walk out with me into Daily Mount. Oh, my God. I think she was just so starstruck. Yeah, I bet she was. But she loves it. And I was like, hi, hi. <laughs> so it's great. It's amazing. And, like, the reason that we're talking today is because Dublin Bus have announced um, a kind of a new and extended partnership with Bose, which is obviously great news. I mean, what does that mean for a club like Bose to have a big partner like that? I think it, no one actually realizes how much it does mean because the amount of stuff that goes on in the background mm. is phenomenal in Bose. Uh, even in the off season, it's great. So to have um, a company like Dublin Bus to be the official sponsor of the women's team, it's going to be on the jersey, mm-hmm. everything. It means so much, especially now that we've moved into DCU. Yeah, so tell me about this. This is a big deal. Mm. Yes. So, so you're training at the elite. I heard the word elite and I got <laughs> the excited. Elite performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, last year we were training in the Oscar Trainer. Mm-hmm. Great facilities, but the men still trained in DCU. But this year we're in DCU with them. So we're in week two of our preseason. So last week was our first week there. And oh my God, like really the difference. You have the gym at your hands. You have all these things I've never been seen before. Mm-hmm. Just right there. The Astro, the pitch, the dressing rooms. It's its great. It really is. But it also kind of says something, doesn't it? About how seriously you're being taken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to be training at, in the same place with the same kind of equipment and access as the men. I mean, that's the way it should be, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, and I think that's great. We we're only saying earlier, there's no men's team, women's team in bows. It's just bows now, you yeah. know. It's not the women's section or it's bows like, or the academy. Um, which I think is such a big milestone mm. and like that we're in the same place so you can't even say where the men train it's where Bose train now yeah. you know so it's fantastic and it's really heartwarming for us yeah. to know that we're there which actually gives the girls m- more and gives mm. them um, motivation now yeah and I know a big part of this partnership is an emphasis on on things and ideals that are already a part of Bose like I mean I said at the beginning we're a Bose house uh, we live locally and you know, I was never really, I've gotten more into football, actually, even in the last year. Um, I used to play, I used to referee, like when I was a kid, and then I, I went right off it. And now I've gotten back into kind of supporting. And and it's because of Bose. It's because of having a club like Bose locally and because of the values that Bose kind of are all about in terms of, you know, giving back to the community and the work that's done to fundraise for people in direct provision. You know, the refugees welcome message, which mm-hmm. is, you know, everywhere all around the stadium. Yeah. Like, you know, it's easy for for me as an individual to get on board like I remember once you're saying I'm not that into football but I'm really into both <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know can you talk a little bit about that like what does that mean to you yeah no in fairness I think that's how Bose and the Dublin Bus partnership has worked so well because the values are the same mm. they believe in the same thing they understand each other so it's great but like that I never realized before I actually was in Bose how much Bows do mm. the community the people the volunteers the groundsmen everything is a different level it, you actually feel like it's another family mm. you know on Saturdays we know they'll have everything ready for us the mm. volunteers always with a happy face and it's great like it really is and the messages that they're sending across especially um the refugees welcome with mm. everything that's happening mm. is amazing and they keep it up you know they don't just say it once and then it's out there yeah they keep backing it up and it's brilliant does it make I mean obviously you're all about the football and I'm not you know going to dilute that at all but does it make it like a bit more meaningful or does it add Mm. like another level of pride yeah definitely you know it's not just bows it's everything they represent so Mm. you're now representing everything they are um and it's like that it's a lot of pride and even just before Christmas um in the bar here I came up for the they have the football for all academy Mm. And that was amazing. They had their little Christmas party here mm. and Gavin James came up and was singing. And wow. Yeah. So like it's bits like that that you're like, geez, I'm really in this, you know, yeah. like I love it. It's not. And it even gives you more motivation for the pitch. Mm. Like you're playing for the badge. You know, yeah. you love bow so much. That's why you're here. Yeah. So it's it's great. I love it. Um, I was uh, um, seeing an event yesterday for um, uh, it was a partnership between Allianz and Women's Aid and the head of the Olympic Federation of Ireland was there and we were talking about domestic abuse mm. and um, she talked about the position that sport can play when it comes to really impacting these kind of issues the challenges that we face socially whether it is something like domestic abuse or whether it is maybe discrimination or racism in the community Mm -hmm. and um you know the fact that sports teams are really positioned very uniquely to actually get that message out there you're not in your head I you agree with that obviously Mm -hmm. definitely I mean 
I think it's special what football teams can do. You can see how much, um, not control, but, you know, influence they can have. Mm. You know, social media, what football teams do with social media, um, show racism the red card. Mm. That was a big thing. Um, again, even in the Premier League, when they took the knee, you know, that's a big, solid message going out mm. to the world because mm. there's so many viewers that people are um, really, like, touched by it. And I think it really makes a difference. But once it's used in the right manner mm. and it sends the right messages out, mm. I think it's absolutely amazing to have s- such platforms around you. Well, Rachel, best of luck. Best of luck with the season. I can't wait to watch you guys win loads and loads and loads and you save 100,000 goals. Hopefully. Or maybe they won't even get a shot on goal because you guys will be so yeah, good. That, and you'll be just dream. like reading your book. Yeah, that is the dream. Cup of tea, that would be the dream. <laughs> Rachel Kelly, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Well, there was controversy upon controversy in the world of entertainment this week from Beyonce in Dubai to the cancellation of the M&M spokescandies. There's a word I don't think I'd ever said out loud before until this week. Fortunately, there was absolute joy as well, thanks to the sheer number of Irish nominees for this year's Academy Awards. Joining me to take us through those stories and more is LGBTQ plus advocate James O'Hagan. Now, what a pleasure it is to have you back on the podcast, James O'Hagan, LGBT activist. I know, out there in the world, changing it for the better for all of the queers. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Can't think of anyone better, to be honest, to be doing that. Um, It's great to have you back because you can do something today that isn't necessarily changing the world, but is fun, I hope. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. No, deep diving into all of the ridiculousness of what we're going to talk about today, it has just been so much fun. Some of these stories, it feels like we're literally living in the Matrix. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Who's to say? Maybe, maybe we actually are. Sexy green M and M's. I mean, let's leave it there. (laughs) Well, we'll get to we'll get to sexy green M and M's because I'm dying to talk about them. But obviously, we have to start with the Oscars. Um, The nominations for the 2023 Oscars came out this week, and. I mean, I feel like it set the country alight. It really did. And it it is one of those amazing moments uh, in in kind of like, I think one of the great things about Ireland and Irishness is that we really come together as a community. So as you said, yeah, Tuesday, uh, Alison Wilson's of Girls Girls and Megan fame walked out there with uh, Riz Ahmed of Man I Just Realised Exists and his very handsome fame. Do you not uh, know him? No, I've never seen him before. Oh, he is is amazing. So he's an amazing actor. Um, Definitely, I don't think I've seen him in anything bad. So look up his IMDb and watch some of his stuff. I would particularly recommend um, The Night Of, I think it's called. It's a HBO limited series. Really good. Um, And then there's a film he's in, which I'm not going to remember the name of, but basically he plays a drummer who's losing his hearing. And it's, they're both... Brilliant. Okay, that, that is excellent. That is good to have some sort of like jump back in and have a look at that. And he's also uh, 
the thinking woman Orman's slice because he is like extremely active about racism in the UK and um, loads of other stuff. Like he's really, really smart. I feel like that's why the name was really familiar to me when I saw it. And yeah. I was like, I, I, I recognize the name, but can't connect it to the, to the person. But yeah. no, that is good tea there. I will be getting into IMDb <laughs> and finding things. But they walked out and announced the Oscar nominations. The only thing that mattered, there were the 14 nominations that found a home with, with Irish nominees and Irish projects. And, and across like all the major categories. So we have director, actor, supporting actor, supporting actress, original screenplay, uh, best international, uh, or, or best international film for uh, On Colleen Kuhn, the first Irish language. Uh, movie to be nominated for an Oscar and it's just so spectacular we're all going to enjoy this so much right until that moment BBC claims British actors have been <laughs> oh babe it's already been done oh my god already Paul Meskell is in the British category <laughs> but no it, it is it is so refreshing to see Irish art being platformed in this way because mm. I do think that one way in which we as a nation punch well above our weight is in art and culture and yeah. this is just such a representation of what happens when you allow Irish people the freedom the opportunity the time the money Mm. to actually make these sort of projects and like you know I'm hoping that we get another beautiful Colin Farrell speech there Mm. on that night where he can send another heartfelt message out to to to, to Brendan Gleeson and perhaps you know give another life lesson to Barry Keoghan it it would be so nice to have that moment coming but even if we don't win any of these Oscars which is incredibly unlikely on the way things are going it is just an amazing moment for Irish film and just an amazing moment for all of us here Mm. who know how how fantastic we are as a country that like really can invest in the arts yeah absolutely I mean I, I totally agree and I think you know one of the things that came up during the conversation this week was how difficult it is for lots of Irish artists to live and create their art in Ireland at the moment because of the housing situation, cost of living, like all those various things. And there is the um, the artist's basic income scheme, which is being yeah. trialed at the moment and hopefully, or is about to be started. I think the trial has started. Hopefully that's going to be rolled out and make it easier for artists to actually be artists in this country. And then who knows like what we'll actually get I, in the end. I know, and I think the, the important thing to say that it is, it, it, it comes in, like it, in order to create what's happened here and in order to kind of see artists from Ireland sort of doing so well internationally it's, it is twofold like there is the government needs to step up we need to start respecting arts, arts and culture as an integral part of who we are we need to start giving it the same focus in schools as the likes of sports get mm. given and having it just built into from the very earliest age that this is a legitimate practice a legitimate thing for people it's not just something you go and do mm. sort of if you're a bit shy in secondary school it's something that's a really important part of who we are and also we as the general population need to go and start supporting the these festivals mm-hmm. that are happening and supporting local arts groups when they're putting mm-hmm. on performances because that's how people will start getting their start and start being able to go on the road that may ultimately lead them to be in one of the I mean it is sort of the most Irish thing ever that all of the films that are nominated are utterly miserable yeah. <laughs> For, and for a country that really is like, hey, we're all about the crack. It's like, well, actually, we're about the crack and like dank misery. Well, there is. Well, I mean, I suppose. And the best demonstration of that is Banshees of Inisherin, which is both funny and miserable. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm so, I'm particularly happy to see Carrie Condon get her nomination because yes. obviously she's been acting for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. I think if you're that kind of Irish actor that Carrie Condon is, who's who works loads. Yes. But like doesn't, you know, you probably don't think you're going to end up at the Oscars. Yeah. Like. I no, think. absolutely. I mean, it, it's like, and now this is because it was my favorite show of last year, White Lotus season two. But the Italian actress who played the yeah. um, who, who played the the receptionist in, in that, or the, the hotel manager in that, like she was an Italian actress working really mm. a lot in Italy, working a huge, had a great career there, but never was expecting to get that international recognition. Mm. And it's exactly the same for the likes of Kelly Condon, who now yeah. is getting some of that recognition from beyond the sort of where she she just was based. And I think it is so yeah. lovely to see that happen and, and open so many doors for her. I mean, look at Sarah Lancaster now. Yeah. Scarlett has Raquel yeah. over in uh, Incarnation Street and now she's off playing Julia Child on a HBO show. So this is, it. This I, is the beginning. It's how it starts. I know. And and also I have to say a special, a special note of excitement for Barry Keoghan, who is... I mean, he is just incredible in that film. He is. Like, he yeah. really is. Like, it's such an amazing performance. But watching his rise from, I think a lot of us came to know him first as the cat-killing teenager in Love, Hate, and watching him rise <laughs> up has been amazing, especially when you consider his background. He faced a lot of challenges as a young person. Yeah. Um, you know, they're well-documented. If, you, if you're not familiar, maybe go and watch his um, Late Late Show interview from a good few years ago, because you'll see it there. Um, 
But he is someone who just has always had a belief in himself. And it's great to yeah. see that kind of rewarded. It, it, it is. It's so lovely to see someone who obviously understands, first of all, exactly what they want to do. And despite the fact that everyone in their life and everyone in their world, or we can assume that many people around them would have been trying to push them to a safer, more kind of settled place. And they were like, no, this is what I want to do. And they have the talent to do it. And it has been amazing. The last thing I think I saw them in was that ridiculous Marvel movie that they did. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm but, not like, in the universe. But it is just like, it's so spectacular to see someone who has come from such a hard background be able to excel and get onto the absolute highest level yeah. of the profession that they're working in. Um, I, I After this announcement, I am going to finally watch After Sun, which is one of those ones that I saw the trailer and it completely devastated me. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able for this yeah. until I'm in like a good mental health space. Yeah. And as I was saying, I've had a good start to the year. So I think I'm going to do that That's to me. Good. But yeah. it just like Paul Meskel, from what I've seen of that, the performance in that by Paul Meskel is just beautiful. Yeah. And that story seems just so gorgeous about an estranged father and daughter coming back together for kind of a holiday, which sort of marks perhaps the beginning of their distance after after the, the divorce. So I think it's going to be, it's, it's definitely one that I'm going to go back to watch now. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet for the exact same reason. I just don't know if I'm able. We'll see. We'll see. I, I will see it so, at some stage, but I just don't know if it's going to be today. That's true. <laughs> I, I, the one thing I was wanted to ask about is, obviously Oscars buzz, amazing. Oscars nominations, amazing. Oscars the show has not really managed to kind of like break yeah. through. I mean, it hasn't managed to like hit through. The, the, there's it's a slap be, joke. It's been in there. a bit shit. It's been a bit shit the last while. <laughs> uh, slap joke somewhere in there. Yeah. But are are you excited? I think they've reformulated to give more space yeah. to the to the red carpet this year. They're going to try and like make it a snappier kind of. Well, uh, I'd be excited no matter what because I want to see all these Irish yes. people. Um, but I don't know how I'll stay awake. That's my big challenge. It would, yeah. That's I can't it. like past nine o'clock. I'm like one of those dolls that if I. <laughs> Get, you know, if I lie back even slightly, my eyes just start to close. But I'll try. I hope that somewhere, I'm sure Lowe's, surely somewhere is going to like show it live or whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming like RTE has I to. I need someone to TG4 could. And I'll know. just be like mainlining coffee the whole night. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Anyway, it's very exciting. Um, That's not for, not until March. Anyway, we've got a bit of time. Plenty of time to organize. Okay, this. let's move on to some controversy. Uh, Beyonce played a massive... Um, private gig for the opening of a hotel in Dubai this week. Yeah, and honestly, didn't Joe Lysa just tell us all about this? Like, didn't Joe Lysa just literally go out there and be like, hey, listen, big wig flebs, you need to uh, you need to, to, to catch yourselves on and stop saying that you support particular communities and then profiting off of regimes that that, uh, that would, uh, I suppose, not respect those people's identities. And migrant workers as well, obviously a huge issue within the UAE. It's an interesting one because I sat with this for a while because my initial instinct would have been to just be like, how dare she, that's a disgrace. You know, she, you know, needs to kind of stop the... the I'll give a brief first. So you're correct. Details are fluffy as to how it all came about. She was paid around $24 million apparently to pay at this hotel. She did a nine song set, including a duet with Blue Ivy of Brown Skin Girl from the Love uh, from the Lion King soundtrack. Uh, she didn't play anything off the Renaissance album. Oh, did she which, not? No. Now, That's people, are, interesting. people are suggesting that that could be that she's holding those performances for the live show or because out of respect for the fact that that album in and of itself was designed to, to sort of recognize and celebrate black and queer art and culture so people are kind of unsure as to what that was now i it was advertised as a once in a lifetime a weekend where your dreams become your destination it's all part of this sort of uae plan to rebrand abu dhabi as sort of like a really high-end luxurious resort for rich westerners to come and spend their time to sort of turn it into like a, a las vegas style of space where people can come and see the the biggest stars in the world as I said, I have a more complex view on this because I suppose even I, I looked at the equality index as well um, for the region and actually UAE is below Qatar. I thought that Qatar would be below UAE, wow, which, so which sort of I, surprised yeah. me. Uh, Qatar, it, Qatar is actually above South, uh, Saudi Arabia, Oman and the UAE in terms of their the rights for, for, for LGBTQI pe people in those areas. But so I just think that we kind of can't continue on with this thing of just telling people where they can and can't play. People will make their own decisions about where they feel comfortable, mm. uh, wh where they feel comfortable going and for whatever reasons they're going to these places. Beyonce made a decision that obviously it felt right to her to take this money from this country in this area and despite its laws against and sort of its treatment of migrant workers and its laws against the LGBTQI plus community, she felt comfortable taking that. 
2022 during the Oscar ceremony she also felt comfortable breaking the picket line at the Chateau Marmont um, at her Chateau Chateau Marmont and hosting her post-Oscar party there while the workers were on strike outside because of their absolutely abysmal treatment at the hands of that uh, of that of that uh, that venue so you know she's making choices that are kind of showing us a little bit more about who she is but in addition to this, earlier this week, a whole rake of Irish comedian comedic faves were over there for a comedy fest playing at, in, at, at McGettigan's Bar. And, you know, are we going to take the same approach to them, say that you shouldn't be over there, we're going to cancel you because of this? Mm. You know, I, ultimately, I think it comes down to each individual person needs to decide where we draw the line. Mm. And if we feel like actually seeing someone participate in or give their sort of star power or perform in event in a place that doesn't align with my views or my views of the world or how I would like the world to be, you need to decide whether you continue supporting that person. And I think that's the only way it is. You know I think context is important as well though, because I think that there's a wild, huge, enormous difference between and I know you're gonna agree with me on this, yeah. so don't worry. <laughs> between Irish comedians taking a gig and going over and doing their gig and Beyonce. And the difference is obviously that Beyonce does not need money. Um one. Number two, Beyonce, as you say, just made an album that was inspired by, based on, in support of, all about black queer people. Um and so to just in the in the immediate aftermath of that album, like she hasn't even released visuals, she hasn't toured, she hasn't performed any of the songs to head over there and be like, yeah, I'll take the money. Like, I think that is something that people struggle with. But like I was talking to a friend of mine during the week and we were saying like, imagine she turned around and donated all that money to like a charity mm-hmm. for yeah. LGBTQ plus people, especially LGBTQ plus people in that region. Like that would be a sleigh. <laughs> it, no, it, it really would. And I think this is where my kind of, where I'm having kind of uh, where I'm 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 in a confusion and a flustered state because yeah. I'm thinking about it because I see so many people kind of even within sort of you know influencer spheres and even just like regular kind of cisgendered white gay men off on their holidays to Abu Dhabi off on their holidays to Dubai and I kind of think you know you're correct in that like Beyonce brings a legitimacy to playing there in the same way that that um Nicki Minaj cancelled a show in Saudi Arabia two years ago because she understood or she she yeah. was informed that her performance there would 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 allow a particular um would allow a particular kind of legitimacy to them mm. or going to give them some sort of a jewel in the crown to be able to say we're the sort of place that these stars so, so it is a big difference but I also think that we all need to start thinking about the way in which we are approaching these regimes and how we feel we're comfortable invest or how we feel we're comfortable kind of engaging with them to an extent and it's, it's it is sort of difficult because i'm like beyonce is going to announce a load of shows and i'm going to want to go to them yeah me too <laughs> me too but at the same time i'm like I, I i i do feel like this has dented my kind of belief in Beyonce as the person that she presents herself to be which is someone who's really kind of trying to build up more marginalized communities yeah I feel the exact I feel the exact same like I feel the exact same I'm a huge Beyonce fan have been for years I would say she's one of my favorite artists of all time I've been to see her loads of times I've traveled to see her like I think she is a true artist and I will I will go but I will feel a bit weird about it. it. This is like, it's kind of, this is not exactly the same, but it's like I last year had tickets for that Arcade Fire gig. Mm. That's the day before so or I. the day of. And I made the decision on the day while everything was going, I was like, okay, I'm going with a friend I haven't seen in a while. And I went to it and I sat at it and all I felt was guilt. That's why I, <laughs> do you know, that's why I didn't go. Because I was like, even if I go, I'm not going to enjoy it. Uh, exactly. I, I just I, knew I wouldn't. And I was just like sitting there and I was like, objectively, this is a fantastic show, but I feel uncomfortable. Mm. I feel like I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. My friend and I were both speaking about it. We were both saying, and I now I'm kind of going like, if I'm going, like, th- that's how this gets under your skin. So am I going to go see a a, a, a Beyonce concert now, spend however hundred millions of, of, mm. of, of euro on a ticket and then sort of just be sitting there kind of being like, this feels kind of gross. Well, I guess only you know how much cognitive dissonance <laughs> you can summon. Um, we'll it have depends to see. on how things go with the pre-drinks. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see uh, when the time comes. Okay, now to another controversy. This is, I am actually, I cannot believe that this is real. <laughs> T- 
talk to me about the M&M's. So uh, Mars Inc. have handed the spokes candies for M&M's, those little, you'd be most familiar with the uh, the red and yellow uh, ones that have appeared in advertising for years, their P45s, on the back of a wave of criticism that has emerged out of the... Uh, insane, uh, demented culture war and perpetual anger stirred up by by right-wing kind of uh, news anchors in, in the US. So Tucker Carlson in particular. So yeah. you may remember in or around a year ago, um, there was a rebrand of the M&M spokes candies. And honestly, I, I, whole, I know it's so hard. It's hard to even talk about. It's so know, ridiculous. Uh, where they wanted to, to give them more nuanced personality and personalities and they wanted to make them more sort of inclusive and diverse and sort of celebrate a bit more about kind of like being individually yourself uh, and as part of that the orange one was given an anxiety disorder <laughs> the uh, the red one was told that they that they were going to be a bit nicer now but most appallingly of all for dads who like to get their jollies over um Anim- anim- anthropomorphic uh, chocolates <laughs> was that the green M&M had her go-go boots replaced by a pair of sneakers and the brown uh, sort of like the sexy smart one with the glasses M&M had her high heels replaced for more sensible sort of block kitten heels and so and I'm going to read I'm going to read a quote that comes from Tucker Carlson discussing this sort of you know this I mean, this move, which most people will agree we wouldn't have anticipated would cause all that much, uh, all that much kind of issue. He said, M&Ms will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any of them. That's the goal. When you're totally turned off, we've achieved equality. So basically what he's saying is I don't fancy the talking animated M&Ms anymore and that is a problem. <laughs> that is a problem. So, what? <laughs> it's like, until you wouldn't want to have a drink with any of them. I'm like, I'm sorry, Tucker Carlson, but if you want to go for a drink with like, I mean, if you want to go for a drink with an, a, a large chocolate, an orange, like, <laughs> an, anthropomorphic chocolate, that is... That is on you, and you need to get that checked. <laughs> Seek help. Seek help. But oh. so, in 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 addition to this, so uh, later or earlier this year, or no, late last year, um, as part of this kind of you know this this overall brand redo with M and M's to try and like make it more about like empowering people and, and and sort of you know sort of giving individuals a chance to shine and who they are. M&M's launched a, 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 a limited edition packet that only featured the female M&M's. So they, they launched a new female spokes candy in the form of a purple M&M, which the internet, or, well, the right-wing internet was disgusted by because it was a peanut M&M, so she was slightly more sort of... Round. She's slightly rounder. So they were saying, well, this is obviously they're trying to push the, 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 the fat agenda as well. Yes. So... Well, James, if there's one thing those fats like to do, <laughs> it's is make everyone else fat. Exactly. It's make- all I think about day in, day out. First exactly. thing in the morning, I wake up and I'm like, how can I make more people and fat And then you today? think to yourself, I know, I need a little cartoon orange, purple candy that's going to speak about like, I don't do know, it. Their, their, their separation issues or something like that. But so Ugh. some alpha male Australian uh, protester went to the M&M store in Times Square and did a sort of a stamp-in protest where he bought some packets and started screaming about how sexist it was that they had a pack celebrating female people now a, a, a dollar out of every pack of those the limited edition M&M's was going to a charity that helped to promote women in music oh god so well like, that'll really <laughs> piss them off I know what did they expect <laughs> But so he is. He was complaining about that. But and Tucker Carlson has revisited this issue yet again to kind of speak about the fact that now the green M M&M and M appears to be too much of a lesbian. <laughs> so it's like, honestly, uh... but so on the back of that entirely rational uh, discourse. <laughs> M&M's have announced in what I am going to be honest completely assumed to be a uh, sort of a a pre-Super Bowl ad sort of like run-in thing that they are ditching the spokes candies and they are bringing in America's favourite aunt Maya Rudolph as their new spokesperson Maya Rudolph has said she's looking forward to it she likes chocolate she can't wait for it 
Um, and the right wing again now are going sort of ballistic about this sort of like loss of these sex kitten icons. <laughs> So, okay, so you think this is a stunt? I'm, I, I'm, no, I don't know. When I saw it initially, I was like, okay, maybe it's not. But the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm kind of going, okay, there, there's the Super Bowl is coming up. Traditionally, yeah. that's a time when like massive advertising Huge, campaigns yeah. start. So this would be, and apparently the, the spokes candies will appear in that uh, thing. So I can, in that, in the, in the advert that, that M&Ms have planned for the, the Super Bowl. So I can only imagine that it will, at very least, this will be brought up or mentioned in that ad. Maya Rudolph will be interacting with the spokes candies and hopefully she can heap herself together because I know they're very sexual beings. <laughs> Honestly, though, I got so annoyed about this. I was like, I'm never buying M&Ms again. Yeah. Like, I was that mad. I was like, this is so ridiculous that they would pander to that total bullshit. If it really is that, and I hope it's not, I really don't think I, whatever about Beyonce, I really will be drawing a line at buying M&Ms because it's so fucking stupid what if the spokes candies had performed in dubai now that's (laughs) that's well that i'd be borderline you know what i mean it's more a little more complex (laughs) um oh jesus what a world we live in honest to god like honest to god you could not make this up it is so it feels like a glitch in the matrix honestly i swear to god um okay let's very briefly talk about uh I just just want to acknowledge the fact that Kylie Jenner has announced her baby's name, which obviously means that there's some sort of drama that they're trying to cover. Mm-hmm. Because every time the Kardashians make a big announcement, oh, something is going on in the background that they are trying to make you not pay attention to. Yes, and yes. So that's one thing. But anyway, the name got a lot of Irish people excited and a lot of Arabic speakers excited. Yes. So they, she, she announced after a year, and I, I'm like, I, I, I'm exactly right. It's obviously like, you know, Chris has had this in her back pocket for a year yeah. and this is the moment that they're going to be like, okay, we're going to give this out to try to distract from something else. So herself and Travis Scott had their child a year ago and they've announced now that the baby is called Air, which in Irish would translate to care, sort of through the... the the, the phrase, I'm going to butcher this because I am not a Gale Gore, but Taber Air, take okay. care. So A-I or E. A-I or E. And the Arabic community or the Arabic world have uh, been lit up by this because apparently it roughly sort of translates to my penis in Wonderful. Arabic. Take care, my penis. <laughs> 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 I mean that is the the um that is the the men's health message that we all need to be, be yeah. really kind of uh, take care of my penis take care of my penis yeah I agree <laughs> and you know also um, whenever Tucker goes near the green M M&M. and M but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, James, what a joy you are. Thank you so much you. for bringing us all of those wonderful <laughs> stories um, from the ridiculous to the more ridiculous mm-hmm. um, and the sublime of the Irish Oscars, of course. Uh, James O'Hagan, LGBT activist. Thank, thank you so you much. Thank you so much. Just about time for me to go but before I do and before I give you some recommendations as I always do I wanted to kind of just say something quickly about Barry Keoghan because I was thinking about um, the chat that James and I had this morning about Barry Keoghan and his success in the context of some of the challenges that he faced um, as a kid and as a young person growing up in Ireland and um I, I was also doing some reading online and some of the the kind of conversation that's happened around his success and a lot of people saying, oh, do, you know, despite the challenges and a lot of people saying, you know, you know, very little was expected of him, but he delivered and it's kind of something about it is not sitting right with me. And and I brought it up myself. So like I'm not, you know, I'm not suggesting that I'm perfect in this context at all. But I think, I guess, If what we're saying is little was expected of him because of the challenges that he faced, that might be something that we really need to reframe because it's not really fair to make assumptions about a person and who they're going to be based on the events of their past. And if we look at kids who grow up in areas of disadvantage or in situations of disadvantage or who, you know, are 
engaged in the foster care system, as people who, you know, if we assume that like nothing's going to become of them or we expect very little of them, then I feel like that message and that narrative will be picked up by them. And I say that as someone who obviously, you know, I do not have a traditional family background. Um, I was raised by my aunt and uncle, very easily could have ended up in the care system. Um, you know, and I think we should maybe use this as a as a moment to kind of reflect on the narrative around children and young people who do end up in the system and how we can reframe things in terms of instead of thinking, you know, nothing will become of them, which I'm not saying everybody does at all, but instead of, of that, of thinking about how we can support them so that they can feel support from lots of different people rather than just their families or whoever, you know, we might expect to be giving them support. Um, just... Just a little thought, something to kind of ruminate on maybe. I will be ruminating on it as I go on. Um, now, just also a reminder uh, that the pod phone is there. If you have reflections, concerns, thoughts, uh, recommendations, anything like that, do send them in. I'd love to hear your voice notes. 089-209-6423. That's 089-209-6423. But I do have some recommendations for you. Watched a film called Catherine called Birdie. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. It is absolutely brilliant. It was made by Lena Dunham. It's set in, I don't know, it's like a period film, but it's very funny with very contemporary kind of ideals. And it stars um, Bella Ramsey, who is the person who's also in The Last of Us. She is so brilliant in this film. Oh my God, she we, like, we just fell absolutely in love with her. Um, she is just this like bullshy, bold young woman. And it's so enjoyable. If you have Apple TV Plus, highly recommend that. Catherine called Birdie. Um, and also, I have to recommend The Last of Us. I know everybody is talking about it. The Last of Us is a kind of, um, I guess it's a zombie kind of apocalypse story, really. It's about people trying to survive after a... <laughs> virus uh, impacts the world um, uh, turning them into basically uh, flesh eating zombies it's a mushroom virus though it's very dark and twisted and great um, I don't normally like scary stuff and it is a bit scary but it is brilliant the design on it is incredible it looks amazing the performances are great um, Bella Ramsey's brilliant Pedro Pascal's brilliant it is just brilliant there's only been two episodes so far it is on Now TV um, or Sky, if you have Sky, I think it's on Sky Atlantic. It is just so good. Um, other than that, Bed and Love Island, lads. I'm actually really enjoying it so far. Um, I don't know, there's something kind of soothing about having something like that that's kind of, you know, basically trash to kind of turn to on a daily basis. I put it on the background when I'm cooking or whatever, uh, doing a job, and it keeps me company. That's what it is. I think it's nice company. Um, so there you go those are right, my recommendations thank you so much as always to ACAST for having me on the network thank you so much to all of my wonderful contributors and also I just want to say another little thank you to Pillow Queens for um, letting me have their song as the theme music for the podcast because it, it is such a joy to have them there obviously one of my favourite bands um, so there you go I hope you have a lovely week if you don't no worries there'll be another one after this put one foot in front of the other and I will talk to you next Friday Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? 
we wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.